Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. We are going to read the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And like we said, we are talking about the story of the whole Bible, the story of the whole Bible. Now, this is our chart that we have been dealing with, that we have been using. That is our chart, and we saw, and we are at the beginning at the moment, I just thought I will remind us of this chart, and we are going through this story, this story of the whole Bible. And we said at the beginning, we saw God who was kinging, okay? God who is king, and this is very, very important. What we saw in Genesis chapter 1 is God kinging, is God exercising his dominion, his kingdom, God exercising his kingdom, God exercising king dominion, okay? And that is very, very important for us to remember. And that is what we saw in the book of Genesis chapter 1, and we are still in verse 1, remember, okay? It is God exercising his kingly dominion. It's God, you know, that is king, and we read Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, it says that where the word of a king is, there is power, and who may say unto him, what doest thou? So in creation, God as as king in creation. So creation is actually an advertisement, is a demonstration of God's kingdom, is an advertisement of God who is king. And what we see in Genesis chapter 1, as we read through, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of the Lord was moving upon the face of the water, and God said in verse 3, let there be light, and there is light. There was light. Verse 6, and God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the water, and so on, and it was hap- it happened that way. Verse 9, God said, let the water under the he- heaven gather together in one place, and so on, and so on, and it was so. Verse 11, God said, let the heart bring forth grass, and so on, and so and the Bible says it was so. Every time God said it was so, because God is king, God was exercising kingdom. God was exercising king dominion. God was, ex- was kinging, and that is what we see creation is a demonstration of God's kingdom, is an advertisement of God who is king. And we saw also in verse 14, God said, let there be light in the firmament, in the heaven, and so on and so forth. The Bible says, it was so. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creature. And the Bible tells us that it was so. And this is what we saw in Genesis chapter 1. Um, like I said, we're still in verse 1. We've looked at this God that we encounter in the book of Genesis, that God, that the Bible did not try to argue for God. The Bible just said in the beginning, God. Now, in the book of Genesis, starting from this Genesis chapter 1, we see a glimpse of the character of God. We see a glimpse of God who is king. We There are some characteristics, there are some 
there's some glimpses, there are some realities, there are some truths that this event that we see in the beginning actually bring out to us with respect to God. Some of them we've already touched on, so I'm going to go quickly through 10 of them. We've already touched through the first couple of those points. The first thing we see is that God is personal, that God is not just a cosmic force. You know, people say God is in everything. Everything is God. God is everything. You know, the people that watch some films say the force be with you. you No, God is not a force. What we see in Genesis chapter 1 is that God is a being. God is a personal. It's quite <laughs> difficult sometimes. English struggles. English struggles when we begin to talk about God, we'll, but we'll try. So that is the first thing that we see, that God is not just a cosmic force. God is not just an hocus pocus. Okay? God, the God that we see, the God that this story introduces to us is a God who is personal, is a person, is a being. He thinks, he talks, he speaks, he feels, he wills, he has purpose, he has plan. He's a God that does things. God, the God that we see in the scripture is a personal God. And this God wants to come into a personal relationship with his creation. And this is very, very important for us to understand that that is what we see in Genesis. As we read the Genesis account of God, it's not like the God of many people. This God is a personal God and therefore is a relational God. Okay, it's a relational God. It's a God that can speak to us, that that can feel our pain, that, that, that we can talk to, that can talk to us. That, and, and that is the God that we see in the book of Genesis, that God is personal. Number two, that God is powerful. We've already talked about that. We said in the beginning, God bara the heavens and the earth. And what we've done so far really is to talk about the heavens, the universe that God has created. Now we've not talked about the living things. We are going to talk about that by the grace of God. But what we see is that this God is powerful. That this world that we see today was not cre- was not created by accident, by big bang. That's the third I mean, that's the third point that we see here, that God is the creator. He is creative and he is the creator. And this is very, very important, that the testimony of the scripture is that God created the universe. And we've gone through this. We are not going to go through it again. That the universe, that are definitely finger of an intelligent designer behind what we see in the universe. And for anybody to tell you any different, they are just being dishonest, and they are just being arrogant, and I dare say ignorant. Even if they are the, even if they are the professor of neurophysics or the professor of astrophysics or the professor of, you know, string theory, whoever they are, anybody that says that this all came out of Big Bang without the input of an intelligent designer, even if you don't believe that that designer is God. If you tell me that this all just came out by accident, you are a liar. No matter your degree and no matter the accolade that people place on you. So God is personal. God is powerful. And God is the creator. And this God who is the creator is creative. And that is the fourth point that we see here. 
as we look through this event in the book of Genesis and the fact that God is orderly. We see when we went through the creation in the book of Genesis, you see God was orderly. Okay, God created one thing and then created the next thing. Before God went on to create man and women, men and women, he has already created things in order. God is a God of order. And this, every single thing we are seeing uh, of the nature and the character of God in the New Testament, we are going to see it throughout the whole Bible. He's, he's passionate, he's powerful, he's the creator and he's creative, and he's orderly. And this God who's created everything, the fifth character of God is that this God is uncreated, okay? Because when beginning began, God was already there. And this is very important, okay? Like I said earlier in this broadcast, the Bible did not apologize, did not argue for God. The Bible just says that in the beginning, God was there. And that is a very strong fact and truth that we see in this Genesis account that God who created everything is uncreated. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the uncreated creator. He is God and that is why we call him God. He's personal. He's powerful. He's the creator. God is orderly and God is uncreated. Number six. And one of the things that we see is that this God who is uncreated, who created everything, that this God is good. That God is good. It would be nice for us to sit down here and talk about what it means when we say that God is good. You remember that rich man that came to the Lord Jesus and I said, good master. And the Lord Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is only one who is good, and that is God. Okay, that when we say God is good, God is good is much more than God is nice. Okay, the goodness of God is much more than God being nice. You remember when Moses asked to see the glory of God? The Bible says, God says, Moses, you cannot see me. Okay, no man can see my face and live, but I will put you at a crack in the rock, then I will make, wait for it, the Bible says, God make all his goodness to pass before before Moses all his goodness you know the goodness of God talk about the glory of God it is the goodness of God that makes God God is the one of the essential nature of God I mean Moses saw the goodness of God and his face couldn't recover from it his face was glowing when he saw the goodness of God <laughs> the goodness of God so God is good. The Bible says all good gifts and all perfect gifts come from God. So that is the other thing. And we saw that all the time when God created him and he saw that it was good. Our God is a good God. Number seven, maybe someday the Lord will help us to, to circle back and talk about the goodness of God. Number seven, that this God is alive, is living. I mean, obviously that goes without saying the personal God is a living God. This God is active in time and space. The, our God is not dead. Our God is alive. And because God is alive, number eight, he is a communicator. He is a relator. He wants to enter into relationship and into communication with us. That is number eight. Number seven, God is living. Number eight, God is a communicator. God is a communicator. He speaks and he relates to us. Number one, number nine, sorry. God is 
independent. God is independent. Even though God is involved in his creation, he is independent from the creation. He is distinct from the creation. And this is very, very important. God, everything is not God and God is not everything. Yes, God is immanent. God is involved in his creation. God did not abdicate after creating the universe, but at the same time, God is different. God is above. God is separate. God is the, you know, the order. God is different from the creation. God is God and men and men. God is God and women are women. So God is independent. Before I go on to number and I'm going to go through the night that we've mentioned that God is personal. God is powerful. God is the creator and is creative. God is orderly. God is uncreated. God is good. God is living. God is a communicator. He speaks and he relates. God is independent. The creator is distinct from his creation. And finally, and, and this is the point we are going to deal with today. The Bible says the God that is revealed to us in the pages of the Bible, the God that we encounter at the beginning of the story, this God is one but three. We want to talk today for the rest of the minutes that we have about God who is Trinity. And this is very, very important. When we encounter God in the book of Genesis, we saw a God who is one, but we saw a God who is three in one. We call that Trinity plurality in singularity and we want to talk about this mystery of God who is Trinity and this is very very important for us to understand that the God that is presented to us in the scripture is presented to us as a God who is Trinity and we need to to wait a little bit and talk about this because there is a lot of attack upon this revelation of God that is given to us in the first page of the scripture. Really listen to me. In Genesis and indeed throughout the Old Testament, God reveals something of his inner nature, of his inner dynamic. And this revelation of God's inner nature is then fully unveiled to us in the New Testament. Remember, Revelation is progressive. Now, it is the same God that is in the Old Testament that is in the New Testament. But there are some things that are hidden. There are some things that are in, that are in shadow form. Okay, There are things that are in type in the Old Testament that we see them fully in the New Testament. Remember what we always say, that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. But even... As early as this verse that we read in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, even that early we began to see the God who is three-native. Plurality in singularity. You remember we read that Genesis chapter 1? Okay, and it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Remember what we talk about? That God, the word used there is Elohim. And we said the word used for created is bara and over there we saw we've used that verse to see the power of god the glory of god the goodness of god but now we want to use that same verse to actually see the god who is plural in singular to see the plurality of god in singularity now i want you to look at that word again god that word the original word is elohim but that word god is actually a plural form of the word okay and that is very important 
it implies implies a plurality of person in the divine nature. So when he say in the beginning God, even though in our English the word God is actually God as singular, but in the original Hebrew that word Elohim it was the plural form of that word that was used in that verse. But wait for it, and this is very 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 important because the verb bara you see in the beginning God created. The word bara that was used there was actually a singular form of the word. So when you want to think about you know language and tenses that word you will say well the, the, the tense there was all wrong it's almost like somebody say rather, rather than saying we are here you say we is here we should be followed by a plural verb or a plural noun isn't it but here in the very first verse of the bible hidden in that inside that verse is the revelation of god who is three in one or at least who is more than one in one is if you want to actually translate that word in in a literal form which you say in the beginning gods creates in the beginning gods creates well you shouldn't say in the beginning god creates because create should follow a singular noun but that is the that's the way it was structured in the original hebrew the original word elohim was plural and it implies a plurality of the person in a divine nature and the verb bara actually was singular so this in this first verse is pointing out unto us that in the in the person of god there is plurality in that singularity and actually we see that work out quite well for us as we follow the story of creation and i will come to that in a second now when we go to the book of deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 it says here o israel the lord our god is one lord now understand we the jews and we christian we don't worship we don't serve three gods and this is why this teaching is very important there is one true god but that word says the lord our god is one lord that word one there in the original hebrew that word one is actually a composite unity In other words, it's just like saying a bunch of keys. Now, it's a bunch, it's one bunch, but there are many, many keys in that one bunch. And that is the word, it's not an absolute one. It's not like I have one key or I have one car. It's talking about, you can talk about a pack of something, okay? A pack of crepes, or you can talk, and that is the word one, it's one, but in that oneness, there is plurality. So when the children of Israel says, Yeah, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, it is one, but it's talking about a composite oneness. It's a plurality in one singularity. And that is the teaching of the doctrine of Trinity. And let's understand that that number one the doctrine of trinity preserved the oneness of god god is one and obviously that was emphasized for us in the old testament the oneness of god particularly because the children of israel were surrounded with people that were pagan that worship many 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 gods understand that the doctrine of trinity preserved this two fact god is one but also this god who is one as we begin to move closer to this god who is one we begin to understand that there are three being three person is is really a bit difficult to which word do we use in the one being of god is the oneness of god there are actually 
three being three persons. That's, that's the only way I can explain this. There are three persons in the divine unity. There are three separate persons in the divine individuality. All the three are God. None of them is more God than the other. And none of them is less God than the other. They are one God. And this is very, very important. And the scripture actually bring this out. And it is important. This is important enough for the scripture to actually present this to us at the onset of the Bible itself. This is a core truth of our Christian faith. Listen to me. This is not just a doctrine. Our Christian faith, the upon this reality. If God is not Trinity, his relationship with humanity will be absolutely impossible. You need to understand that this is not just a revelation that we can take or leave or just a periphery. This is a core revelation of God. You need to understand that if God is not Trinity, God could not have related to us. If God is not Trinity, God could not have been able to associate with us. That relationship will uh, will have been impossible if there is no trinity how can you explain jesus how can you explain the holy spirit ultimately the people that that ignore or that come against the trinity or that deny the trinity of god they will eventually they will ultimately deny that jesus is god or the son of god and they will eventually and ultimately deny the person of the holy spirit ultimately they will talk about the holy spirit as a cosmic force but the holy spirit is not a cosmic force. the holy spirit is a person just like god the father is a person and god the son is the person the holy spirit is a person and ultimately every anti-trinitarian you know, um, denomination or doctrine or ideology will be anti-Holy Spirit and anti-Christ ideology and doctrine. And this is the source of all religion and most common contemporary philosophy. So the best way to see the Trinity is to observe them in action. In the relationship of God to man, in our redemptive story, okay, there are certain things that each of the individual and the person of Trinity do that the other one will not do. There are certain things said of each individual person in deity as of position, office, and work that is not spoken of other member of the Godhead. And this is what it, this is why it is very very important. You know, I used to give this example. You know, if you've never known anything about a fan, an electric fan, you've never seen an electric fan before. You lived in the part of the world that you've not been exposed to that. And for the first time, you walk into a room and you see a fan that is at full speed. All you can see is a single column of blade that is blowing air at you. That is all you can see. But as that as the, let's say somebody then put off the fan as the fan slows down and slows down and slows down you begin to see that actually there is not just one column of blade in the fan there are maybe three maybe four in fact i was looking in front of me i have a fan standing in front of me this one has four columns or four blades some fan have three blades some fan have four blades okay and it's as the as the, the 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 fan slows down for you and you begin to say oh there's not one column of blade there is three blades in this fan and it's the same but it's one blade but it has three blades you see and it's the same thing that before our our creation before our salvation is we, we didn't need to know about what 
the Trinity of God. But when God step into time and when God begin to slow down for us, we begin to say, wait a minute, in this singularity, there is plurality. In eternity past, God, the God was not God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They became that in, for, the, for our purpose in, in, in the process of creation, in the process of our redemption. In, in the Trinity, we talk about the Father. And he's called, he's the only one that is called the Father and the Head of Christ. Then we have the Son, who is the holy begotten of the Father. And then we have the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. You can see the three of them in creation. The Holy Spirit was hovering, okay? And, and God said, and the Holy Spirit created. You can see both of them. I mean, the three of them acting in creation. In the Lord, the prophet, in incarnation, in redemption, in salvation. When you look at the baptism of Jesus, when you look at resurrection, when you look at Pentecost, in the church, in prayers, you will see the three of them in operation. Listen to me, no man can see God, but God has to become the Son. Okay, in becoming the Son, there are some things that God take off from Himself so that He can relate to us and the Holy Spirit can relate to us. If God is not Trinity, then we could not have had any relationship with Him. But thank God that God is Trinity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, some people will say, but Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible. Rightly so. But the Bible, the word Bible is not mentioned in the Bible either. Do you know that? <laughs> Listen to me. Trinity is our way of describing something that we see in the Bible. Okay. So saying that the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, you are saying nothing essentially. Okay. Because we are trying to describe a truth that we see in the Bible. And that is, that is why we use the word Trinity. Some people say, but you know, the word Trinity is a bit confusing. Well, that is the price we have to pay to have a God that is as glorious, as powerful, as good as the God that we are serving. I mean, if we can explain God, if we can wrap our mind against the, you know, the reality and the concept of God, then it will not be God. If God is God, then there will be a lot of things about God that will be beyond our head. But thank God, because God has given us, you know, the, the, the capacity. God has brought it down to our level in a sense in which we can be able to at least understand it. Praise the Lord. People have used various examples to try to explain the Trinity of God. M many of them fall short to be sincere, but we, can, we have some understanding. For example, we can say, as you are seeing me, I am, I, ha I am a spirit and a soul and I have a body. It is still me, spirit, soul and body, but I'm one. Even that falls short. Okay, we can use other examples that people have used, but the most important thing is that the Bible revealed to us that the God that is revealed to us in the scripture in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is a God who is three in one and if you are listening to me tonight this God loves you you know he became the son so that he can save you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life this whole world is heading for hell but you don't have to go to hell that is why Jesus came to help and the way of salvation is the way of the cross you can cry up to him tonight and say save me be my Lord help me and he will just confess that you are a sinner ask him to save you and he will he will come in he will take that heart of stone heart of death out of you and it will give you the heart of flesh and it will make you a daughter a son it will bring you you become a member of his family a citizen of his kingdom and when this is all over you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new heart father thank you we sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on youtube 
Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.